Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast, the podcast that absolutely feels the need for another world-class goalkeeper. My name is Chris and I am your host and uh, this evening is kind of a little bit of a retrospective look back, if you will, to the season that was began, season 2021. Uh, we're going to have a, a kind of a, a little bit of an overview and we wanted to keep our powder dry after the season and just give it a week or so off and... Uh, and just collect our, our thoughts and see where we felt afterwards looking back. We're also going to have a little look ahead to this little thing called the Euros, European Championships for those old school amongst us, and have a look at France's chances. That rhymes. <laughs> Didn't even plan that. And we'll uh, we'll have a little look at the games in the warm-up and, uh, and take a little look at the squad as it's obviously all been confirmed now. So I need people to help me in these, uh, in these quests. So I have Jess. And I have Phil, as usual. Good evening to you both. Good evening. Hello. Right. Let's uh, let's start by winding the clock back, then, lady and gent, and uh, we will start by looking at the at uh, the table. It would be be remiss of me not to work from the top downwards. So let's have a little look at Lille. Obviously, we know that they won the league championship. I think we uh, we certainly gave them the praise that they deserved in our uh, in our sort of final rundown of the final games of the season, but. Uh, what, uh, the first question I want to pose, and I'll chuck the grenade at you, Jess, first of all, in this one is, what's, um, what's kind of the future for Neil? Because is this kind of one of those situations where brilliant, fantastic, won the title, and is it going to be like another 10 years before we see them back again? Because the fire sales seems to be in full swing. Obviously, Campos has, has moved on. We knew that was happening. We know that Gaussier is, is moving on as well. I saw the latest that Lille won five million compensation for him now, which is I'm wondering about penny pinching. And it seems as though basically 90% of the squad is up for sale because they are in, in the financial doo-doo. So how do we sort of look back at this season? How do you choose to look back at it? Do we celebrate the here and now and just enjoy it and then sort of ignore what's going to happen over the summer when everybody disappears? Or would you suggest it's a bit of a step back having achieved so much to then just undo it all? I think it's the same as we said so many times before. It was going to happen anyway. That I mean, it happens to <clears throat> lots of teams in France every summer anyway. In this summer of all summers, it was more likely happen, to happen to lots of teams in France. And in particular to Lille after the sort of buyout and change of leadership and everything halfway through the season. So, or maybe a little bit earlier than that. So, um yeah, unfortunately, I think the writing was on the wall for this Lille squad and this kind of period of Lille-ness um, any, in any case. And so, you know, winning the title is obviously a very good way to go. Mm. Um, you know, Andrew, ex of this parish and big Lille fan, sent a huge list of, of Lille players who've left since he's been supporting the club. Not all of them of the same kind of level let's say there were some sort of minor names there to, to pad out the point he was making I think but the point is that like a lot of French clubs their their sort of um, business model is to develop these players and sell them on for a profit and Lille have done it before and they've won the, they won the league 10 years ago and they've qualified for the Champions League a couple of times since and Europe a couple of times on top of that and they've made a lot of money from transfers so um, it's not 
it's not the end of the world. It's not the first time it's happened to Lil. It won't be the last. But um, yeah, it does feel like probably they're going to have a couple of years now of transition. And, you know, maybe it would be a surprise if we find them still challenging for Champions League places next year. And obviously the real shame is that they're going to be in the Champions League, but can't really do themselves justice. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of my fear is, is, is we get a bit of a Ren situation where they, they get so far and then ultimately bow at the group stage. But that's probably in the future, Phil. We, we do need to look at just looking back at some of the heroes from this this Lille squad for the, the season. I mean, you talk, you talk about these players leaving, but... You look at people like Jose Fonts, and you can imagine that he'd be fairly happy to stick around. Benjamin Andre is, is sort of bleeds Leo. He's arguably their best midfielder this season. Ronaldo Sanchez has a lot of hype around him, but doesn't seem to be a huge amount of interest at the moment. I'm sure that may change. And then you look up front, Burak Yilmaz, you know, again, at his age, you'd anticipate the season he's had where he's just had a, a grand old time. You wonder if he might stay put and Jonathan David in the same situation where he's he's only just rocked up. So you'd think he'd want another season. So it's, it's kind of not all doom and gloom, especially for a well, you know, team that's won the league. But I think the departure of Gaultier will also be key. I mean, you're thinking, OK, you've won the league, you're in the Champions League, why not stay? Gaultier is a smart man. He knows what's happening behind the scenes and that that's not going to tie itself up anytime soon. He knows, as Jess said, that they're probably going to lose a lot of their best players. In terms of his CV, winning the league over PSG with Lille is better than crumbling in the Champions League because everybody's left and the the financial stuff finally comes into to play. So I think the leadership that he gave, the practical aspect of just being able to focus on the on-pitch stuff and almost ignore the off-pitch stuff was a very important thing he brought to this team. And you've got to think that Benjamin Andre, there'll be bids in. And so would he stay? Regardless of his feelings, there is the off-pitch stuff. Would he be able to stay? And so I think it's, yes, going to be a, not all doom and gloom, but I think uh, Lille's Champions League um, campaign next season might not be what the fans want to see, sadly. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way of looking at it. And um, no matter what, no matter what happens with this little squad, I think you know we've we've all said before, and we will keep saying that the uh, the achievement is ultimately that that title win was just so incredible when you look back, and it's just amazing, really, what they did and how they survived that that down spell and, and rode the wave and ultimately came out as champions. So that's certainly not something we can say of Paris Saint Germain, who. Uh, we should also address in a little bit of detail here. Um, 
Jazz, since we last podded, I made a bit light of it at the start of the pod. They are um, in negotiations to sign a player that they really don't need. I mean, who'd have thought PSG would do such a thing? Uh, Gianluigi <laughs> Donnarumma seems to be on his way in. With The talk is, some are saying it's going to be a permanent deal and, and they will loan him out for a season. And others are saying he'll just come in and fight with Navas, which just to me, I, I just I don't understand it. And then there is also a suggestion that Genie Wijnaldum will be um, put through his medical either today or tomorrow. That signing makes a lot of sense to me in an area that PSG need to upgrade severely. But he is 30, so there's a little well, bit another of Another workhorse midfielder because they don't have enough. Well, yeah, I just think he's an upgrade on pretty much everybody but Verratti in that midfield that they've already got. But I do take your point and there's not much sell-on value. They're, they're in a bit of a situation here, aren't they, PSG? Because... There's been all this talk about Pochettino, whether he's happy, whether there's some fallouts with between him and Leonardo. Again, who would who would have thought that might happen? Um, it's, it's a very big season for for the you know the, the giants, if you will, of French football for next season, isn't it? Because whatever way you look at it, them finishing second is a failure, despite the, uh, the Coupe de France win. They have failed this season, haven't they? Yeah, it's definitely a disappointing season overall I think any season in which this PSG team doesn't win the league is a disappointment if they were to win the Champions League but not win the league then obviously that puts a different slant on it and I do think that in lots of ways this year's Champions League run was actually more impressive than last year's run to the final Yeah, agreed. but overall definitely a disappointing season and I wouldn't say that next year is particularly important because of that. I think it's important anyway because every season is important and, you know, there's pressure on them every year. It just sort of, it feels kind of more important just because it feels like there's more question marks and more unknowns this summer, certainly. And, you know, all this stuff with Pochettino, I just think no smoke without fire and even the, 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 um, sort of protestations coming out of the club don't seem entirely convincing. Um, Mbappe obviously is the the really big unknown. Is he going to still be there next year? And all these things sort of are connected because, you know, they need to bring in good people and, and look competitive in order to convince him to stay. Um, but being able to tell players that they'll be playing alongside Mbappe is... Um, probably one of their strongest selling points. So it's a bit of a vicious circle. Um, but it still feels like there isn't a really well thought out policy. And and I've seen PSG fans and not just PSG fans, a couple of journalists as well say, you know, Donnarumma does make sense. Navas has been fantastic, but he's not young. Um, Donnarumma is available cheap. If he doesn't go there, he'll go to one of PSG's rivals. I'm not so keen on that argument because I don't think, you know, it feels very Serie A of the 1990s, sort of buying players literally just so that your rival doesn't buy them. It doesn't doesn't speak to me of a particularly clever policy. And I think Italy probably suffered from that for the next 10 years after that. But um, certainly goalkeeper is way down on their list of priorities. I think even Rico did okay when he needed to. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's the usual kind of thing of, of not, not dealing with the issues that need to be dealt with, dealt with. And not only that, you know, 
Donnarumma in particular is yet another player from Serie A. It's yet another Raiola client. You know, I saw someone say, this is fantastic. You know, that PSG are going to sign sign Donnarumma. That will pay for um, Raiola's new kitchen. And then they'll definitively sell Ariola and that will pay for his new bathroom. I mean, who is the sporting director? Is it Leonardo or is it is it Raiola? And if it is Leonardo, isn't it about time that he um, sort of extended his football knowledge and contacts slightly wider than, than Italy? Um, I think it might. It was either Robin Benn or Tom Williams who, who said that he must have his football manager set on on just Italy all the time. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, I can understand in that kind of context why Pochettino isn't happy with Leonardo. But at the same time, and I know it's a, a sort of thing that I'm flogging to death, but who appointed Leonardo? Who reappointed Leonardo? Who appointed Enrique, who hardly pulled up any trees in between? Um, you know, as long as the person on top who's, you know, in WhatsApp groups allegedly with with PSG players and, and letting people like Neymar call all the shots anyway, as long as that person is undermining the sporting director and undermining the coach at every turn, then it doesn't really matter who are in those positions because the same endemic problems are just going to remain. Yeah, yeah, I think you make a couple of very, very good points there. And um, it's, it's going to be an interesting summer, Phil, for, for PSG because as just touched on there you know the recruitment policy has been questioned and they do need to go again and for, for me it feels like next season is is a we kind of said it this season but if they if they do spend well and they do good business this summer they've got a real opportunity to be one of Europe's you know front runners again next season because there's so many teams that are skint or that are having to but, rebuild uh, in Europe. My question there would be, do you seriously think they'll do that? I or mean, will they spaff a bunch of money on somebody they don't actually need just because he's cool? Well, that's the worry. And I take Jez's point about Navas' situation. You've got to look to the future. I get that. But, you know, bring bring in a, a player, you know, maybe who's... The problem is Donnarum is going to want to play. This right? is my issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Navas <laughs> has just won the UNFP Best Goalkeeper Award. He was mm. one of the five PSG players in the keep deep. Um, he, this was not a swan song season for him, mm. was it? He's going to be as good again next year. So maybe you get someone or you promote someone who can start taking over more things, but you can't bring in another starter unless that means you're going to, are they going to sell Navas? I mean, what's, what's going on? I, I avoid the transfer market because, well, for self-care reasons. Um, but yeah. It's, it just seems a very, very odd move when, as everybody here, elsewhere, everywhere is saying, there are other things they need to be focusing on. Yeah, definitely. And uh, they've got a, got a couple of very interesting kits next year, by the way, for, for those of you who like kit porn like I do. Uh, it's worth looking up. They're, uh, I think it's the third strip next year is, is Moon Inspired. Yes, uh, you heard that right. Yes, it's uh, it's a moon-inspired kit. It's kind of got a moony. Uh, okay, you, you may need to send me a picture so I can put that in the in the article. Does that does that mean backless shorts? 
I, I sincerely hope not, Jess. It I, is I don't Pride think... Month, Pet, so you know, <laughs> let's not judge. I don't think anyone needs to see uh, uh, Florenzi's um, backside, although he probably won't be the next season. So, you know, small wins and all that. Um, anyway, speaking of lovely kits, uh, let's uh, combine a couple of clubs here. Monaco, Lyon and Marseille. Kind of um, mixed seasons for all. I think, I think Marseille are extremely pleased to be in that conference. Yeah, I, I was I was questioning it as the words came out of my mouth, but uh, in the interest of grouping clubs together... Uh, and time, I, I will keep them in there. But um, yeah, fantastic season for Monaco, obviously ultimately falling short uh, in terms of the, the title, but 78 points is fantastic. Leon, I think, will look at the season as a whole and think what could have been because ultimately they they bottled it late on, which they ha- have been known to do. We know that Garcia is is going or has gone, or I, I read different things every day. I think he, he's attended his resignation, hasn't he? So... Um, what's the chap who's coming in? The Ajax boss, isn't it? Um, whose name completely escapes me. Not Ten Hag, it's the other one. Bosch. Thank you, Ella Bosch. Um, X of Leverkusen. X Ajax. X Ajax, yes, you're absolutely X right. X Ajax and X Leverkusen. To me, yes. the X is very important. Lots of X's in there. Um, yeah. I, I'm one of the few that actually think that will be a really good appointment just because I, I liked his work at, at Leverkusen and, and he is pretty good with the younger players. And I think he'll he'll probably bring a fairly attacking style to Leon, so it kind of interests me um, where Rudy Garcia ends up next. God only knows. But I don't. Focus... I haven't. I haven't followed him that closely. It just seems to me that both Ajax and Leverkusen both did a hell of a lot better after he left. Maybe yeah. he's the one who put in the foundations. I don't know. But... That's how I see it. To be honest with you, yeah. That, especially with Leverkusen because they were going nowhere fast until he came in and he sort of transformed transformed their youth policy and, and gave them an identity. And then that's been taken on since. But you, you're right. Isn't, I mean, isn't it's... Leon's youth policy the only thing that already works at the club? That would also be fair to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, they're now going to have to replace uh, Memphis Depay certainly and. Still, lots of rumours circling around. Yeah, Kakare, a few others that are making noises about um, about moving on. Even Lopez, I saw linked with another club the other week, which I thought was a strange one. But uh, they finished fourth, so at least European football secured. And uh, Marseille get into European football of sorts through the back door in, in fifth place with their finish. Um, and I think it's fair to say they are going to be changing a lot this summer. Um, I think Matteo Ganduzi sounds like it's likely to happen from Arsenal, which uh, I'm not particularly chuffed with, but obviously makes sense um, if you're a Marseille fan. Those two go together pretty nicely, I would suggest. And uh, yeah, I think Marseille are going to have a, a bit of a clear out and, and clear decks for some Paoli or so, for Paoli's, um, some Paoli's first season in full, because he was obviously only there for the back end of the season. So, Jez, of those three clubs... Um, I guess Monaco looked back at it with the, the biggest cheer, but um, how would you evaluate those three clubs? And, and especially if you look back at their season, where do they go next season? Um, I think, again, a lot, a lot depends on what happens in terms of players in and out in between. I think Lyon are, in their own way, underachieving as much as, as PSG. I think the structure that they've got there. And I know that there's a little bit of an Arsenal thing going on whereby they're sort of, they've got their stadium and may only see the sort of dividends in a few years. Not that, not that Arsenal are particularly, but you know what I mean? Um, I think Lyon should comfortably be 
at worst second and at best challenging PSG every year and it's just not happening um and um yeah Leonardo isn't the only suave Brazilian sporting director who doesn't actually seem to have a clue what he's doing amongst the top teams in France I think <laughs> I think Janino should be under a lot of pressure as well it's, I don't I just can't see what he's achieved and yeah okay when it comes to Juninho against Rudy Garcia, in terms of the fans, there's only really ever going to be one winner. But I do think there's a few, there are a few fans now who are questioning what exactly he's bringing to the club. And a lot of people criticising Olas, but actually things seem to have got a lot worse since Olas took a step back. So um, I don't really know where Leon go from here, but I feel like even the players they're going to sell, unless they buy very cleverly, I can't see them really putting in any kind of challenge next year unless, you know, a few of the younger players really come good very quickly. And it needs more than, um, you know, just Kakare performing well in, in the middle. That I think they, without the pie, who I think did sort of cover a multitude of sins on several occasions, you under, I don't think Kadawera and Tokare can be a, a good enough to sort of carry um, the attack. You've got um, Dembele and and probably Ren Adelaide coming back. And, you know, are they wanted? Are they sort of busted flushes? I, I really hope in... I think it seems like the relationship with Dembele is at an end, but he did absolutely nothing at Atletico and has had a sort of injury and illness ravaged season. So are they going to get anything for him? Ren, Ren Adelaide obviously has been so unlucky with injuries and I'd love him to come good at Lyon, but I don't, you know, this time last year, he certainly didn't want to be there. And now there's the extra thing about will he ever sort of reach his potential because of these injuries? There's so many unknowns there. And unless they have some kind of amazing Monaco-like very quick, Resurrection. I just can't see them doing much next year. Monaco are the ones that seem best placed to continue where they left off this year, assuming that most of their players stay because obviously they're the club that had the real momentum at the end of last season or the second half of last season and seem to be well run again after a couple of years where they took their eye off the ball. So I, I expect them to, to have another good season next year. And then Marseille and Marseille, aren't they? I mean, it can, it can go either way. Um, as you said, like some of the rumours in the transfer market do seem relatively sensible and well thought out. Um, Sam Paoli obviously is a decent manager. Um, but then so is Bielsa and so is Villas-Boas. And it, it feels like he's another one where it kind of depends how long will the good times last before everything sort of implodes um i i think there as well there's some big decisions to be made about who stays and who goes and that might be also to do with how much money they've got available to sign players even milik it's not clear if he's staying or not should they really be relying on montanda and, and payet still what's going on with tova has tova left yeah, yeah, he's gone to Tigres, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, that happened. I oh, thought yes. that was just a you know a heartwarming story of meeting up with APG again on no, holiday. No, no, that's, that's that's done deal. He has he has gone. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, is Kamara going to stay? So, I think 
They're the big unknown, I think. I expect Monaco to continue on an upward trajectory. I expect Lyon to continue plateauing or arsenaling or spursing it up. Um, and Marseille, I just think, yeah, as I said, they're just typically Marseille. I think it will be spectacular. And I don't know if it's going to be spectacularly good or bad. It is, it's kind of one of those depends who leaves and who comes in situations, I guess, for a lot of these clubs. But yeah, Marseille I think they confirmed today that this Gerson's coming in, but I have to admit, I don't really know anything about him. Who is that with, with Monaco or with Leon? Marseille. Oh, with Marseille. Okay. Oh, is this the Brazilian chap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A decent, decent. I mean, for all we know with Marseille, they might have accidentally signed the guest and that was in the 1970 team. I don't That's know. also true. Yeah. Was it like the Caro Enrique where they said they signed him and they hadn't seen him play or something? Oh, good grief. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, tem- slightly, tightly, slightly tempted to say I'm intrigued by what Marseille do next season just because it'd be interesting to see what San Paolo can create and have a full season. And especially with the velodrome with fans in it, I think will make a, a big difference. Um, but Phil, I want to clutch together a couple of sides for you here in in Rennes, Lens, Montpellier of your own parish and Nice. Um, yeah, first of all, my condolences. Hilton is indeed moving on. So yeah, been confirmed. Today, but I so. think we, you know, I've been talking about this over the last kind of couple of pods of the season. He can't run anymore. And he's 43. I mean, he didn't run a lot to start with. So I think we could all see it coming. I think it's for the best. And there are rumors that he will be taking a, a training role or something at the club. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's the end of an era. He's the last guy from the 2012 title winning squad. Yeah. You know, nuts, there's only it? about four of them still playing. There's like Olive, Gary Boccoli's over at Martinique. Remy Cabela's at Krasnodar and Stambouli's, I think, still at Schalke. Um, but that's it. Everybody else has retired. And so it feels like, you know, the passing of an era. But I would, to be a little bit more up to date, um, obviously I've been looking at the UNFP awards and stuff, but also uh, who scored uh, top 10 rated players in Liga on last season. Three Montpellier players in the top ten. Mm. Three. Delors, Laborde, and Savanier. Yeah. Okay, Savanier, yeah, yeah. And when you look at the equipe keep from UNFP, we've got five from PSG, two from Lyon, two from Lille, one Chumeni uh, from Monaco. He won the best young player of the year. And the other one was, guess, right back, Jonathan oh. Klaus from Loss. Yeah, who has been brilliant this season. Who has been brilliant. So I think there's a lot there. Um, and again, for those teams, it's going to be who do they hold on to? Because mm-hmm. as just said earlier, and particularly when you get to this section of the table, you do sell a lot every summer. And yeah. I think that's going to be key to what happens. On an anecdote, uh, Remy Cabela, who I mentioned earlier, has come back to his old stomping ground for summer. Yeah. In Ajaccio, but it seems like he's popped over and met up with a couple of old mates uh, around Montpellier. Uh, there's a picture of, uh, there's four of them 
There's Cabela, two other guys, and uh, Andy Zalort, and the um, the respective calf size of these gentlemen is Delore <laughs> is like making up all of the rest of them put together it's it's really quite impressive so yeah hoping you know Laborde looks like he might be moving on but hopefully they can keep Delore they can keep Savanier they can keep someone like Junior Sombia who's uh, been excellent and you know the goalkeeper Omlin has been great so I'm hopeful for Montpellier but as with pretty much everybody else in Ligue 1, they see that we'd be changing manager. So I think that um, the new manager is probably the best signing you'll make all summer. <laughs> That's probably it. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to elaborate a bit on why you feel that way, Jess? Olivia Delolio has come from Brest. I know Brest had a bad season last season, and obviously it does depend on who and what he's got to work with. But I mean, he's a fantastic coach. I think he improves players. I think he plays really um, entertaining and aesthetically pleasing football. I think he talks a fantastic game. Um, I'm just I'm really impressed with everything he's done. Um, no offence, but I still don't understand. Even though Brest did so badly, I'm still surprised that Pellissier could possibly have been in the shortlist for coach of the season and not Dalolio if we're picking coaches from down the bottom. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think um, it will take a change. I mean, it might take a little bit of time to adjust because his style of football is so different to Desacarians, but I really think he's an excellent coach and, and I think that's a great move by Montpellier. Yeah. Could, in terms of teams of the season, I don't know if you said it was the who scored one, but I think any team of the season that has five PSG players in it yeah, is questionable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. It was the UNFP team of the season with five PSG players who were Mbappe, Neymar, Navas, who I think we'd agree with, Marquinhos, Ditto, and personal Kempembe. Mm, yeah, I agree uh, with three of them. Yeah, as much as I, I genuinely do do like and rate Kimpembe, I, I don't think he deserves to get in ahead of other suitable candidates. And Neymar, I think we've done to death. So yeah, uh, just, um, harking back to Leon a bit, the two of them that were in that were um, uh, Memphis, who's obviously yeah, off fair enough, yeah, in some way, and uh, Paqueta. Yeah, I, I, I actually agree with that. I think he's been yeah. very good this year. Really, really good. And, and he's a player who, along with Bruno Guimaraes, probably the, the two Brazilians that, if Leon are going to go anywhere next season, they need to build around that partnership because they've both been really good towards the end of the season as well and both picked up for nominal fees. I think that was probably the, the rare bit of good transfer business um, in the same season that Leon brought uh, Slimani. And, of course, less said about that, the better. Um and yeah, on your point, Jazz, about Delolio, I, I do wonder, it, it might well in sort of reignite Delore and, and Laborde to go even even more ham next season. I quite like the idea of those two being let off the leash even more, uh, and Savanier as well. Um, interestingly, that picture that Phil mentioned, uh, Remy Cabela's hair is quite a thing, if you haven't seen oh, that already. Yeah, but he, he, he's been doing that for a while Yes, he has indeed. I'm a big fan of the pink. Uh, I, I might have to go down that route myself in the summer. Um, yeah, a little mention to to Nice and Lens as well. Both uh, both good seasons in the end. Nice obviously didn't start too well, and obviously Vieira moved on, and it was all changed. But that partnership between Saliba and uh, Todibo certainly turned their season on its head, and they 
finished uh, respectable ninth after turning their season around after Christmas and Alon's consistently I maybe look back at a tinge they, of disappointment. They took one point from the last four games. Yeah. I think they need they'll be kicking themselves over that. Yeah. It's one of those, isn't it? They'll look back and go, it was a brilliant season because they've stayed up and they've consolidated, but it could have been that little bit more, yeah. you know, fifth place in Europe would have probably been a fair reward for their their service this season. But Nevertheless, it didn't quite happen. Same for Ren as well. You feel that they, uh, under Genesio, be interesting to see what type of style they go for next season uh, without sort of the, the destruction of European football. Will they come good? And uh, it's a bit of a cliche or an obvious thing to say, but I guess all eyes will be on Kamavinga and whether he gets back to the uh, the sort of form that was linking him with some of the top, the top clubs in Europe or not once again. Um, as we sort of drift into more mid-table, uh, Jez, I'm going to give you a, a clutch of teams here. Um, your very own Mets, St Etienne, Bordeaux, Angers, and Rams. I'm going to couple them all together in a big group. There, I think it's fair to say your your lads have, have uh, performed very well this season. A mid, mid-table finish is certainly respectable. A um, couple of big guns of, of sort of seasons past, and St Etienne and Bordeaux, you know, clinging on a little bit towards the end of the season. We know about Angers changing coach and Moulin moving on. He's gone to Carl in Ligue And uh, Rams, you sort of feel like things probably need to change a bit there if they're going to sort of survive um, what is, let's not forget, a, a, a lower amount of teams in the, in the league for seasons to come. So you feel they're going to have to improve. Out of those five clubs, um, who do you sort of feel will look back on this season the most and think we've kind of just wasted a year here, if, if you will, if that's even fair. In terms of waste of a year, I would probably say Ras. Um, mm. I feel like, similarly to Strasbourg, who will no doubt come to, I just felt like maybe maybe Guillaume should have left a year earlier. I just felt that um, a lot of things were tired there and, yeah, that they sort of trod water for this year, which actually, for a, for a club club like like Rass, that's not such a bad thing that they're sort of treading water and just staying in mid-table in league and that, that's fine because again their model is bring through young players sell them but let's be fair unfortunately unlikely to to sort of get into Europe or have a really deep cup run without without a lot of luck or you know discovering a particularly brilliant talent so you know Dia started the season well but went a bit quiet a couple of injuries to important players and it Zeleni hasn't really got back to his best. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think just Guillaume is looking tired as well. So I think it makes sense that he's left, but it leaves them in a precarious position because you just wonder if they're another one of these clubs that were very much about the coach fitting the club very well. And could it, could it go wrong now? Kind of similar situation for Angers. I wouldn't say that it was a waste of a year, but my concern is that everything's going to implode there. Um, Thomas Wiseman, who's, who's a big Angers fan, is, I was messaging him about it yesterday, and, and there's a there's another video by Romain Molina on YouTube about them, and, and everything there seems a mess. And it's not just that Moulin's going. I think it's more why is Moulin going, and it's because the the previous sort of directors who who ran the club really really well have all gone and those that are in charge now just seem uh, a hell of a lot more shady to put it nicely um there might be a transfer ban um the coach who's come in i think it's batik 
I think it's been confirmed. Um, Lyon fans don't particularly seem that impressed with whatever he did or didn't do as the, as the assistant coach at Lyon. So I really, really worry for Angers. Um, they've got um, a pretty old squad as well. Thomas said they've got a lot of good young players to come through. So, um, you know, hopefully that the older ones and the, the getting rid of some big wages and even the transfer ban will give a lot of these young players the chance to to sort of thrive. But we know that, that that's kind of quite risky to to bring in a lot of kids at the same time, which I guess brings us to Saint-Étienne, who I think will be, in the end, quite happy with how the season went. I don't think they finished it too badly. And when we consider how bad it looked at the start of the season, um, you know, they it's exactly what we said at the start. They took the risk of blooding a lot of these youngsters. I think some of them have really come on well and, and I think they'll be okay next year. I think they'll do not badly. Um, Puel has got a really good history of working with the, with the younger players and, and bringing them through, you know, right back to the likes of, of Thierry Henry at, at Monaco. So I think they'll do all right. Bordeaux, I think, are a mess and mm. I really worry about what's going there. I think Gasset, I don't think Gasset's definitely left yet, but I'm sure he will. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to probably need a bit of a clear out. But obviously, again, it's more about what's happening off the pitch. Have they got any money to do anything? I really worry for them. And then mess of those five teams, I think they've got to be the happiest with how things went this year. My only concern there is that um, uh, Boulay is probably going to leave, their main playmaker, Santos, who's one of, you know, one of the main defenders. Um, Matasar, who's the real potential superstar. Look, it looks like they're not going to be able to resist you know, yesterday, I think there was a rumour of 27 million from Aston Villa. I don't think Mess can can resist money like that, especially if Saar oh. himself has his head turned. I think possibly the best we can hope for is, you know, a loan back or something. Mm. And the other worry with Mess is basically their whole team are African internationals and there's yeah. the African Cup of Nations coming up mid-season. Yeah. So I fear a little that Mess will struggle next year, but um, certainly all the foundations are there um, for them hopefully to, to kick on or at least you know refine their place as a regular league club um, it might still be a few years yet before we can sort of aspire to anything consistently more exciting than that yeah I, th- I think the the African Cup of Nations thing is actually going to affect quite a few French clubs if you look down the rosters of the respective clubs in, in the there's quite a few fine um uh, France is actually the country that provides the most can players mm. uh, in terms of domestic league, uh, yeah. partly because of dual nationality, but also uh, just the, the the presence of of overseas internationals here. So it's always an issue, mm. but it does tend to hit not the top teams. If you see mm. what I mean, so yeah. it will it, it it will be. Um, Imagine uh, if Italy qualified for can, then PSG would be in your turn. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, it, okay. it causes problems for uh, you know the middle of the table down who are looking at in a sense playing local players. So I think it's uh, it's very interesting, but it does. What I always think it, is it does mean for the rest of the season. You've got a, in 
international playing for you, which is not necessarily the case if you look at some of the others, other nationalities they have in their on their roster. So, you know, rough with the smooth. You've just got to be a bit careful with, with who you sign as well. You've just got to sort of do your due diligence and think like, you know, by all means sign the cream of the young African players because obviously we know a lot of African links to French football, but you maybe just don't sign a whole squad of them if you're going to... Well, <laughs> and then you're into, who was it who was... Is it the Bordeaux manager? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, oh, the whole, oh, I don't sign Africans because of the whole yeah. the racial I mean, discrimination type element of it, yeah. The thing yeah. is, they're internationals. They're very yeah. good players. So I mean, that's, that's the other way. That's the and other also, way around, January's yeah. quite quiet in France normally because you've got the Trev normally when we don't have a pandemic on our hands and then it's cup games. So... Yeah, and, use and the, the youngsters, other. rotate a bit and be grateful that you've got, you know, can winners in your squad in many yeah. cases. And you can always, you know, you can always t- look to sign the players that are maybe not full African internationals at this stage with the potential that they will be. So at least you have them available for, for the here and now. So, um, yeah, there are ways ways around it, that's for sure. Um I do just want to quickly ask you again, Jez, on this one. Um, if you could handpick a realistic manager for Bordeaux, given the state they're in right now, whom would you go for and why? I know that's a bit of a loaded gun, but, you know. Um, I mean, in terms of the fact that I think he deserves a bigger job and... I think he's a very good manager. I'd like to see, I'd like to see um, someone like Guillaume there, but it feels like a poison chalice. That I'm not sure he deserves because they're such a mess. Mm. Talking about taking over a club in a mess, as simple as that. Then maybe Samuel Allardyce. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or uh, David Moisinho, or uh, one of the aforementioned. Well, we, we mention him all the time. Wonder what Alain Pardieu is doing right now. Maybe he's the future. Uh, but yeah, I, I still look at the. Is it, who have we got? We've got. Um, insert motorbike noise here. Sorry about that, dear listener. And um, we've got Blanc and uh, former Monaco manager. Slips my name. What's his name? What's his name? Loves the money. Jardim. Thank you, Jardim. Uh, both working in Qatar. Um, I still feel like both of those could do a job somewhere back in, in Liga, but I don't know. And then would Bordeaux actually go outside of, of the, the French market for their manager? I don't, I don't, don't, they had that Palo Sousa experiment, didn't they? And that sort of had mixed results. Um, yeah, it's an interesting summer, I think, for, for a club of that stature, because from an old school point of view, I'd love to see them back challenging along with St Etienne and, and you know the older names going back up the table personally but maybe that's just me um let's have a look sort of a bit further down then um phil i'll give you the the couple of clubs that that did manage to survive we've got strasbourg uh brest and uh, lorient in the sandwich in between the three um good seasons overall for all three because you would say all three would have just wanted to survive Uh, Mm. maybe brest will probably feel a little bit uh, not worse but they, they, their drop-off was a little alarming after such a good yeah. start. But do you see these three having similar seasons next year is the question. Well, I think 
We talked about Brett a lot, about the style they brought, the attitude they brought, and it did feel like they were beaten down a bit unlucky sometimes. So I think I'd hope that they can uh, keep that going, but obviously with managerial changes, maybe the leadership will not be there to, to support that. Strasbourg, are Strasbourg changing their manager? Yeah, I've Thierry lost track. Has, has gone. Um, right. And they are, and they oh, brought basically, in it's Julien Stefan, yeah, which I think is actually a really good appointment for, for right. that person. That, yeah. that, that could work. They were the nicest team last season in the fair play class, which is, is a good thing, I think. But obviously, your lads, Lorient, rallied hard at the end of the season to um, get away from uh, the drop zone. And we do have to say that Nantes are staying up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After, true. after the um, barrage with Toulouse, it ended 2-2 over two legs and Nantes stay up on away goals. And Kamali went batshit at the end of the second and may I say, they were battered in the last 20 minutes of that game. They were very, very lucky to lose. were all over them in the second leg um, yeah. and should have had a penalty as well, by the way. How that wasn't, I just, well. Yeah. So actually, Garand isn't a bad call for Bordeaux, coach. Well, hmm. that, that came out of left field. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can sort of, yeah, yeah, I can, I can see how that would, would work. Um, He's left to lose now. Too sensible, though, surely. As in yeah, too well, sensible an appointment. I think mad to get rid of him, but it's just down the yeah. road. Makes sense. Yeah, Did, wouldn't have to move house, keep yeah. his keep his stuff in the house. Yeah. Um, sorry for yeah yeah talking about Lauren. Yes, yeah, I, I agree with you. So um, I think with the you know the so who's coming up? Um, so we've got we got Chateau at Chateau Clermont and Troyes. And Toi, yeah. And yeah. I think it'd be nice to see, you know, Toi coming back is kind of nice and Chateau. I think it's Clermont, done it again. It's Clermont, it's their first time up? Yes, their is first it? ever season in Liga, so it's a completely so fresh... I think that, that's nice. And Nantes, I know that they had bad times, but they really did rally at the end of the season. Four wins out of the last five. Combaro was doing everything he could, and yeah, to... Do it on away goals in a playoff is probably going to piss off the TFC fan base yeah. big time. But I I think it's good because I think we've talked about it, you know, fans not being in the stadium, yada, yada, yada. I think the Nolt fans are a really big part of Especially um, in that ground, yeah. the, the ambiance that the Canaries have and... You know, this felt like giving them another chance, and yeah. I think I think they will be higher this this season. If I can just uh, reflect on Divan as well, mm-hmm. while we're doing underdogs, PSG have won Divan. I don't think anyone saw that Leon. coming at the start of the season. Yeah, by one point they had a catch-up game, which. Initially was cancelled because everybody had COVID, which was nil-nil, which kept PSG one point ahead in the in the women's league. And then there was one last game. OL beat Fleury 
8-0. I saw that result, yeah. PSG beat Dijon 3-0. So it's all on points. PSG have won Divan. I think it's the first time in 12 years or something that Lyon haven't haven't won it. And Lyon so are already looking is, to strengthen maybe, their club. Maybe a bit of a changing regard there. Obviously, there's only two uh, WCL places for Ligue 1. Mm. Um, so it's PSG and OL as usual. But the fact that PSG have, have done that is... Impressive. I mean, when the money came in in 2012, they started investing heavily because, in a sense, you get more ROI on the women's players. You don't have to pay as much to be percentage-wise higher. They had Lindsay Horan. They had a lot of very impressive players, and they got in just before there was an expansion investment in the women's uh, game as a whole. Like Barcelona are brilliant now. Six yeah. years ago, it didn't look like that. They were all Spanish and very domestic. And now they're international, like several of the other bigger teams, including obviously the Germans. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, to see how the WCL progresses, but also how Divan runs out next season because yeah. the problem always used to be that if anybody was any good Leon would buy them Yeah. so that meant all of the talent was concentrated in one place I know Mont Montpellier lost a lot of very good players because they go to Leon because you would, wouldn't you, you'll win something Yeah. now does this mean there will be slightly less of that, will it become a little bit more evened out so I think it's going to be interesting to watch what happens over the next season or two with Divan and uh, and how the women's game in France within the context of the women's game in Europe as a whole develops. Yeah I know that apparently Leon are looking to take Vivian Niedermeyer from, from Arsenal as their, as their next big signing so that will be uh... It's one one in the feather in the cap. That, that's moon money from Mbappe levels in yes. the women's game, isn't it? So. Yeah, big time. Yeah, she was very very good for for our ladies. Um, just to round off uh, Liga as a season, then um, we'll just look at the teams that have gone down. Um, probably fairly brief on this one. I just want to give a bit of a mention because we have lost the Crocs. Uh, Neem uh, have gone, and we knew for quite a long time that that Dijon. Were, uh, were also doomed to the trap door and they have also ended up in, in Ligue 2. Um, which, which of the two is the biggest failing and, and I guess which of the two do you see potentially coming back or do you essentially see a, a Gazelec-Ajaxio type scenario for both where they just drift around in Ligue 2 mid-table for a few seasons now? Um, I think both could struggle to come back. I just Again, it's the same sort of model. You're relying on... Um, I think a small number of, of quality players, um, you know, out of either out of clever signings or the youth team, and for those players, you know, to, to keep performing even where there's where there's a turnover and, and um, Dijon, I don't know how they they've scraped the sort of two or three years that they did manage to stay up, but I'm not I'm not too surprised that they weren't able to to maintain it for that long. Nîmes. I mean, in a way, are a smaller club, so 
in some ways it's less surprising but in other ways it's more surprising because I think they've acquitted themselves pretty well since they've come up and and but again it's just that you know selling players like Savanio who obviously did so well there selling at one point it felt like half their half their team to Angers I'm sure there was something dodgy going on there as well um and then you know we we like him a lot but fair hat on one hand you can say he can't do it all himself on the other hand you could say well, he didn't really do enough and there's only so many repar penalties only so many points you can win from repar penalties you can't you know you can't maintain a whole season like that um so I feel like for both of them it, it wasn't a surprise I think it was always likely that two or three years would be the most you'd see from either of them in Liga and then it's a case of as you said like how, how are they able to rebuild do they have enough quality youth in place to 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 put in a league the challenge but I, I I think the chances are that we could see them staying in league de for a while. I mean, I'm surprised Toulouse did as well as to get to the playoffs, but at least we knew that they had a very, very talented squad of young players who I think won the Gombardella. If they didn't win it, they definitely got to the final. Um, so there were obvious signs there that they would be able to, to sort of potentially bounce back. But Dijon and Nîmes, I'm not really seeing that. No, no, fair enough. And um, and do you see either of the promoted clubs sticking around? Uh, Clermont Foot obviously will be huge underdogs given the fact that their resources and the fact it's their first ever season. And uh, and while we know a little bit about from when they were up before, do you do you give either of those two uh, sort of much of a chance of staying up? Well, like you said, I mean, as a club, they're they're very familiar with league and they're a bit of a yo-yo club, so. Um, I think they've got enough sort of, um, and again, depending on on which players they're able to keep, I think they've got enough about them to stay up. But again, as well, they're also changing coach. And mm. I think a lot of their success was down to the coach. So that, that I think is a concern for them. And Clermont, yeah, they'll be the favourites to go down. But for the last two, three years, it's felt like the favourites to go down have had at least one surprise season where they where they have managed to to do well and, and at least by themselves sort of a, a second season in the top flight. So it would be nice to see that, but I feel, it does feel a little like anything they 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 do is a, is a bonus. It's yeah. you know, very much rugby country. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Claremont, big rugby, rugby, um, rugby club is now there. So yeah, agreed with that. Um, and do you like the change to eighteen clubs? By the way, either of you, I'm I'm sort of um, jury's out for me. I'm kind of a bit worried because it means it's too. Sorry, that was my place. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a little bit torn from a mess point of view. I'm a little bit worried. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, you know, I'm not sold on arguments either way. I mean, if it means the teams are fresher and therefore the product and the entertainment is better, then great. But I don't think it's as simple as that. You know, if that was the case, shouldn't I mean, look, the Bundesliga, I think, is the best. If you put in all the different factors, I think it's the best league in in the world at the moment. Mm. Um, So there's something to be said for fewer clubs playing better football, but also it means presumably that there's going to be two fewer professional clubs in the French game. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. And I do worry about how it affects the sort of 
pyramid going going right. further down. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel and, the same way, Phil? Well, yeah, just if the arguments that have been put forward seem to be that it's because for financial reasons the clubs are struggling. Well, um, cutting the number of games they play will cut the amount of gate receipts yeah. and yeah. TV money. So I don't see how this works yeah. at all. I guess if the T if they get a good TV deal, you're sharing it between 18 clubs instead that's, of 20, you get more. But that's what made me wonder. Yeah, that's what made me think is that do they know but something that ain't we don't happen, know? is it? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'd be intrigued to know um, for those UK listeners that we've got here, Jez and I probably would have seen this that BT Sport have announced that they've secured the legal rights for another three seasons in the UK. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's sort of this huge money for. For the actual league itself, because obviously it's you know UK coverage, but I imagine there is still a fair amount of money that goes into that, and I wonder if that deal could potentially get linked up with a, a deal in France. Would that deal be bigger if there were fewer matches? I mean, it doesn't seem. I, th- I think doesn't seem to make any sense to me. So the, 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 the one thing I think Liga miss out on, and uh, you guys may or may not agree with this, I don't know, but. I feel like the one area of revenue in terms of TV coverage that they have missed out on, certainly this year and in recent years, is the, the slots that they pick. The The Sunday evening game, I think, is a great slot because it's one of the few times where there's very little coverage of any other games on TV. And obviously this year it's different with the Premier League showing games that literally every day of the, of the week and every day of the, every minute of the day. But normally Sunday evening, whereas you used to have La Liga on Sky, you don't have that anymore. You don't have a Bundesliga evening game. And Premier League games usually were Sunday afternoon. So the Sunday evening slot was a good one. But I do feel like Ligue 1 maybe misses a trick in terms of, I think the Friday night game's a good one as well. But I wonder if they could maybe splice in the odd Monday night game here and there, or, you know, a, a Saturday evening game that's, you know, what, rather than just leaving it to the, it's always the big, the big game's always the Sunday night game, isn't it? Why not experiment a bit? And, or it's Saturday and tea time, which clashes with Ant and Deck. The, the second well the second half of the of the regular premiership kickoff exactly yeah i think uh, there is I think they need to decide who their audience is like, yeah they, that's also true really the whole thing about china playing games at lunchtime china has caused a lot of backlash the fans here do not like being messed around with when they moved league Deux to um six o'clock on friday night there was uh, massive backlash because people wouldn't be able to get there after work, which is mm. fairly reasonable. So I think changing the slots is very sensitive here, and the the s- starting to play games at midday, one o'clock on Saturday for the Chinese market. You've seen some of the banners that are put up. We're not here. We're having lunch. Yeah. That kind of thing. I think it's if a foreign broadcaster tried to get the LFP to change time slots, there the would be riots. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be one that would be interesting to keep tabs on this summer about that TV deal. And- I think it's another sort of, I don't know if Fisher Circle is the right word, but, you know, if China legitimately offers a billion euro contract mm. for, for TV rights and it has to be at times that suit China. And that means that the clubs can 
breathe easy and bring in players, then I guess they would do that. That would be yeah. mad not to, yeah, yeah. 100%. But that's the thing. It like, won't be yeah. that much money. But to what, uh, what point that do you that money does not go to the league, it goes to the TV. It's like... It is one of those, isn't it? it, it there's 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 arguments for and against for sure. Um, but as a market, I, I do think the league and marketing has been very good this year. Um, they've got far and away the best theme tune of any league, by the way. Just going to throw that one out there. But um, yeah, the marketing's been better. The league of talents thing, I think, is 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 very apt, and it is a league that is growing in popularity despite what the uh, the trolls on Twitter would tell you. So yeah, I do think there's a lot marketable there. It just needs the right deal and. Uh, and 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 I think we need a, another sort of title race like we had this season because everybody who doesn't watch the league, um, a, have sort of only just realised that Lille won it, not PSG, and B, have already started saying, well, it was a one-off. It's not going to happen again anyway. They're sort of you know lestering it, if you will. So, I think we kind of need that competitive edge. Even if PSG end up winning the league next year, we want two or three clubs up there with them like we had this season and make it a. A sustainable title race and, and a, a bottle a bottle at the bottom no a battle at the bottom on the final day as well because it just keeps the eyes on on the product but um we shall see that one that certainly will run and run but um before we um, conclude tonight of course we we do need to make mention of the euros and our proposed schedule for them which we'll uh, we'll end on but uh i wanted to get both phil and Jez's perspective on on how France is shaping up. Um, well, if yes. I may start, you may. I went out earlier today to the uh, newsagent and I bought SoFoot, which is a wonderful magazine and involves lots of great, great content, but their wall chart is frankly subpar and I am very disappointed. <laughs> Not a pullout, there are no illustrations, it's very, very disappointing. And no cardboard I, teams that you can move up and down the leagues or anything no, like that? I, I hope all of our listeners have um, got much better quality wall charts up on their walls in their home offices and bedrooms and kitchens right now. I can't even find a fantasy football league for the Euros. I need to I need to do some, some investigating on that one. But uh, one thing's for sure, whoever, whoever um, finds me one, I will be putting a lot of French players I, into I my I would say, team. if you are in the UK and it's not too late, Elliot Quince, who is at Elliot Q on Twitter, he does uh, a wall chart for every major tournament, every two years, including the Women's World Cup and the Women's Euros. And they are awesome. And all of the profits go to... Um, uh, a local hospital that helped his daughter when she was oh, when she was ill, and I have had them for several years and loved them. And now Brexit means that the postage is Brexit. just a nightmare. So I don't have my Elliot Quince wall chart, and I'm very sad. Sad times, yes. But uh, yeah, any of our UK listeners uh, do like a bit of nostalgia. That's clearly the place to go. Um, let's talk about the football then. Yes, uh, 3-0 win for France last night over Bulgaria. Bulgaria were pretty dreadful, I think it's fair to say. But a couple of things that stood out for me. Pogba's performance was, always, was fantastic. Um, Griezmann's goal, Hello. although deflected, was good. But Andrew, and Olivier Giroud coming off the bench, as he does, to Thank score... You twice uh, and the previous game to that um takes it back Romania wasn't it the one nil was it one, was it one nil 
Rino against Wales. Wales. Where am I? Th- where the hell did I get Romania from? Of course they it played was. England. Oh, that must. I swear to God, I've had so much on this week. My brain is mush. Okay. Um, <laughs> two wins. Let's let's go with it like that. Uh, have you been impressed, Jez? And I have to ask you this question because I asked the same to Lana on my other pod last night. I'm going to do the same with you. Are you slightly concerned that everyone's basically given the trophy to France before they've even kicked off? Because I've just got this horrible Senegal-type creeping feeling that's drifting across my bowels as we uh, approach the start of the tournament. I'm very concerned about that. Although I don't think it's the same as 2002 in that France haven't lost the two best playmakers in the world of the previous season just before the tournament starts. Yeah. Um, I think, remember, not only Zidane, but Pires was out and yeah. then, and they were both huge losses. Um, I think the arrogance isn't the same level that it was in 2002. And I think one of the benefits of Deschamps bringing Benzema in, which I think is really clever, is just freshening up the squad. And I mean, obviously other people like Kunde or whatever coming in has done that as well. But I just think the sort of um, buzz that it's caused um, maybe just wakes everyone up and and makes sure there isn't too much sort of lethargy. Um, But I am still very worried about it. I'm more worried about people leaving their own press. And again, to compare to 2002, France had the leading scorer of Ligue 1, the Premier League and Serie A. Didn't score any goals and they were unlucky. I think they hit the woodwork five times in three matches. But, you know, everyone now is going on and on about what an amazing attack, best attack in the world. Yes, they've got six very good attackers, but first of all, you can't play six at a time. And secondly, it's not just about the attack. You know, it's one thing beating a 10-man Wales, and even then Wales really did give France some frightening moments. Um, and beating a poor Bulgaria who actually should have equalised at one point. It's another thing going to Germany and beating Germany, even if it's not a vintage Germany at the moment. Mm. So that's my concern. I think so much emphasis on attack could be a problem. I don't think Deschamps the type that will let that happen. But I can see France leaking goals. Not leaking, that makes it sound like they'll leak a lot. I can see them conceding silly goals. Mm. And then, yes, they've got an amazing attack who should be able to outscore anyone. But it's not as simple as that. You also need luck to win tournaments. France got nice bits of luck in 2018. They got none in 2002. Um, So... Yeah, I'm very, very worried. On paper, France are, have got to be among the, the favourites. They're reigning world champions. They're number two in the world. They should be able to be anyone they play on their day, but it's never as simple as that. No, no, I, I agree. And um, when I've had to shell out 70 quid for the home shirt, if they don't win it, I'm not going to be very happy, by the way. Just going to put that out there. Uh, deliver tomorrow. Happy days. Phil, what's the weakness if there is one of this French team, because the main kind of areas I'm I'm sniffing around is uh, as good as he is at international level, I still think Loris is capable of, of dropping a few errors, um, which concerns me slightly, but more concerns me that defence in front. We know Varane is, is world-class on his day, but he hasn't had the best of seasons. 
And as we mentioned before with Kimpembe, you know, on his day again, fantastic, really has come out of his shell this season for PSG, but also has a tendency to just lose his head completely at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the fullbacks who, you know, Pavard hasn't had his best season at Bayern Munich, although he has been you know, fairly consistently seven out of 10. Um, and then there's, I'm, I can never be a hundred percent sure. I don't know. I think Fala Mendy's very unlucky to not get in that squad. So, are they the two areas that you share concerns over, or do you have other issues? I, I yeah, I think it's the central defence um, because Longley hasn't had a great. No. He's had a fairly problematic season. Let's be, let's be fair. So, I think there's a degree of potential nervousness back there. But when you look at the midfield and the attack, you're thinking hopefully they can, in a sense, keep keep the problem away from those areas, um, that they're not going to get battered on a consistent basis. They will need to stay focused. They'll need to stay concentrated to deal with the attacks that come at them. I mean, the first game is Germany. Are Germany a counter-attacking side? I have no idea. The suggestion is that they're going to going to deploy a fairly strong three central midfielders technique with Kimmich at the base of it, with like of Gundogan and Cruz in front. So it sounds like they're going to go pretty defensive against France. So, so you'd it think would it would be... be, in a sense, it would be a build-up you can see coming. Probably, yeah. And they're not the quickest hope, Germany centrally, anyway. Hope, therefore, that the French defence would be able to get itself into position for that situation. They wouldn't be being caught unawares, mm. hopefully, um, because I think you know you look at the the midfield and attacking options, and I just go, oh, lovely, yeah. you know. So I know, obviously, there has to be you know, support behind them. But would it be the worst thing in the world if Hugo Lloris got a bit of a cold and Mike Mignor had to come in? Not for me, no. <laughs> Not for me at all. I think that'd be a very good thing. But, I mean, you know, putting my club loyalties aside... I'm a bit tired of all the Lloris criticism. I mean, now he'll go and make a big mistake, but... Yeah, <laughs> you just jinxed it there, he is, he is. He is a good keeper and he's a good captain as well um so i disagree i think he's excellent uh, something on that this week but mike menor has been awesome this year i i i feel like menor isn't even the second goalkeeper no it's mandanda isn't it that's the other yeah but that's in numerical order i think we all know that mike menor is the second goalkeeper and he should be if, if anything happened to loris i your your point there jez about loris being the excellent goalkeeper I, I know what you're saying, and putting my club loyalties aside, I think he was an excellent goalkeeper. I think that's my worry, is that I just feel, since he got that wrist injury at, at Brighton, wasn't it, that he sustained that, I just felt like he hasn't quite had the the spring in that side. My, 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 my theory is that he's one of several France players who have won the World Cup and since then have struggled to motivate themselves on a club basis. Yeah, that's probably fair. to raise their games for France. Yeah, I mean, he has definitely been worse for Spurs than for France. I, I definitely agree with you. And, and again, look at the defence defense he's got in front of him at Spurs. So he is exposed far more than he is with, with Varane and Kimpembe in, in front of him. I agree with that. But 
I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm trying to find some balance here because I'm trying to do everything possible than to sit here smugly and go, well, just give us the trophy now because, you know, I want that more than anything else. And I'm just going to put it out here right now. If England do win this Euros, um, I won't be podcasting ever again. In fact, I'm moving to the moon to wear my PSG third shirt. So um, just in advance, you might want to get another host lined up because we will never hear the end of it. But I do feel like France are the clear favourites. I, I think you have to have a look at likes Belgium and a lot of people are talking about Turkey being a bit of an underdog. Italy is another one. Um, you know, even I, I just I feel like on paper they've got maybe the best team, but mm. firstly they're not playing any matches at home. No, that's they're true. They're in the group of death. Thirdly, two of their group of death matches are being played in the country of their opponent. Of the origin, yeah, yeah. So I just feel like, fourthly, they're slow starters. Fifthly, mm. their first match is in Germany. Germany, yeah. right? Maybe if Hungary first match, but everything about this says Germany are going to somehow suddenly raise their game in a way that they have yeah. not or shithouse their way through it, basically, in some, some form or fashion. Portugal's the one that's that worries me more because they've sort of had France's number before, haven't they? So, I mean, that's well, I'm the... just hoping it doesn't come to the third match. Yeah, well, me too, yeah. But I, I actually... But, I mean, that's the thing when you say got the number. It's, I, I don't know. I mean, it was only a sketchy win in the last Euro. But True, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair point. I think, like... It's the Indian sign more than the number, I guess. It's that sort of mental thing, isn't it? Yeah, like... France beat them in the Nations League last year. so And, and Ronaldo's ego hasn't gotten any smaller while... Well, no. And, and and a lot of the Portuguese fans are suggesting that he could be the downfall of this Portuguese team because it's actually a very expressing and attacking and fun-looking well, attack, but they're going to so. force Ronaldo in. So, yeah, I guess we'll soon find out. But um, I actually think France might might actually start the tournament well and get a win against Germany and hopefully render the next two games not irrelevant, but, you know, they can relax a little bit. That's kind of my, my theory, and I'm sticking with it. So hopefully that is the case. Um, in terms of schedule, then, dear listener, our plan is, um, I'll use the, the term plan loosely because, again, we, uh, we have lives and jobs and all those grown-up things to do, but hopefully... We will uh, we'll aim to do a pod after every France game, not literally after, um, but sort of the day after, uh, sort of schedule permitting. So the plan is to record this time next week, uh, which is what we Wednesday today. So um, yeah, plan is the day after the, the, the game on Tuesday. So on the Wednesday next week is the plan and so on moving forward. So sort of the day after the game is played. So we've had chance oh, on, to a, on a working day basis. Yes, exactly. Um, and obviously schedules, schedules permitting, etc., and so on. But one one way or the other, we will bring you a pod after each France game, um, fairly close after it, so it's uh, relevant to you all. So um, if you have questions or such like, uh, please do let us know. Um, I'm going to have to go and remortgage my house now, so I can afford this France shirt. I went with the home in the end, by the way. I wanted both because I really like the white one, but I couldn't afford both. So I've gone with the blue one um, because I figured it would be easier to keep it clean. I don't know if that counts as a reason, but, you know, that's that's how I, that's how I roll. So uh, It's an extremely practical way to do things. I like to think so because I just know I'll drop lasagna or nachos down the white one. I know it's going to happen. So, yeah, uh, yeah, let's go with blue. But, uh, yes, we're all blue on this podcast, that's for sure. So we will be back to... Uh, to see what happens in the shake-up post-Germany game next week. So do join us for that. Um, 
plenty of uh, bits and bobs we've got lined up ahead of the new season. Obviously, we'll cover that when the new season is being previewed. Uh, but yeah, a few things we're going to probably change up. We'll have a few board meetings over the summer between us all, I'm sure, and uh, get a few ideas across the table and, uh, and just refresh things, I guess, ahead of next season. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We're, uh, we're, all, we're all turning blue for the summer in the meantime. So uh, we shall be cheering the blue home, hopefully, to another tournament win. So with that being said, uh, Phil, Phil, Phil and Jez, I'm just giving you a new name there, Phil. Uh, thank you both for your time this evening. Much appreciated. Thank you. And as I say, we shall return after the Germany game next week. Let's hope it's a positive result. Exactly. And we'll look to rub it into all the other countries' faces once again. So until then, uh, enjoy your literal French football and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>